This is Brandon M. Crooker, and you're listening to the Apostolic Theory Podcast. Today, we've got a very special guest with us. We have Brother John Wilson. Um, he has a podcast called Revealed Radio Network, and I've tuned in to several of the episodes. Um, I had the opportunity to listen to them. Uh, tremendous material, um, very biblically based, uh, and, and not only uh, in language that's uh, easy to understand, but it's just it's tremendous material. And so I definitely highly recommend you check that out. Uh, but uh, Brother Wilson, why don't you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, uh, maybe where you're based out of, what God's doing through your ministry, um, and then we'll go right into our study. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me on, by the way. Absolutely. So my name is John Wilson. I pastor Truth Tabernacle Church in Granite City, Illinois. I pastored a church once upon a time in the state of Kentucky for a while. I was evangelist for two and a half years full time on the field. And uh, the Lord kind of settled us down. We settled down here in Granite City, Illinois. been pastoring here for nearly three years now. Late December is going to be three years. We started a new adventure, Revealed Radio Network. Once upon a time, I was involved with Acts 238 Radio, did some talk shows on there. Mostly just straight theological uh, based material, just kind of like Bible teaching sessions and that. Some things you would hear on a you know, regular episode, uh, podcast episode, but revealed radio network kind of was a little bit different for me. I fell in love with talk radio probably back when I was 22 years old. So I was about 12 years ago. I got into church when I was 20, got filled with the Holy ghost coming out of the water, being baptized in Jesus name, uh, down in North little rock, Arkansas, brother Holmes's church during a camp meeting down there. And so when I got the Holy Ghost, I just fell in love with the Bible, fell in love with the truth, fell in love with the church, came in, left the world behind and was living kind of a wild lifestyle when I was younger. Got in, started deeply studying the Bible, wanted to know everything I could about God. And then about two years later, I got introduced to kind of political, economical talk radio, and I just fell in love with it. And I began to see how closely hand in hand current events such as politics, culture, economics all play a role in the real world existence, but it's all controlled by the Bible. And it's more than a cultural battle we're seeing. It's actually the battle between good and evil, between heaven and hell and God's ultimate plan being played out. But for many years, I would not talk about politics or economics or major cultural hot topics in the public square because I did not want to, I really did not want to offend anybody or keep them from potentially or possibly coming to the church. And then I realized that in our silence, we have had a lot of issues rise up in America because we have been silent on these issues. So back about, uh, about August of last year, I was in the hospital for about, a month in and out of hospital. I was diagnosed with what's called ulcerative colitis back when I was 24 years old. And I went two years without any form of treatment, no flare-ups. I thought I was healed. Ended up having a bad inflammation that sent me into the hospital, spent about in and out of hospital for about 30 days. And at that time, our, our country was such in a calamity. 
we know the elections was coming up. There was such polarization that was taking place in America. And for many years, I just would not touch on a lot of these subjects. But while I was laying in the hospital, God really dealt with my heart. And I realized that a lot of people are turning into conservative talk radio programs, trying to figure out what is going on with our world. And while these things are okay, none of it really addresses the main issue. America found itself in this position because America has drifted away from God. Yeah. And even though our framers and our founders were not all filled with the Holy Ghost, they were in all Jesus' name baptized, America was blessed because it was built on some of the principles of the Bible. And I felt like, you know, we listen to a lot of talk show stuff, even apostolics, but we need one of our own on the forefront of that battle. Somebody who has the Holy Ghost can see things from a apostolic lens and really address the issues of today and try to bring people back to a love for God and, and his word is true. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's, I mean, that's the truth. That's the reality is that, you know, there's a lot of people that are uh, sort of putting in their opinions um, and trying to, as they're trying to make sense from a worldly perspective, um, you know, and so it's so um, frayed, if you will. It's not, it's not complete because they don't have the complete knowledge of truth. They're looking at the world's perspective of truth, which is, you know, your truth is different from my truth and the truth is whatever I want the truth to be. It doesn't have to necessarily be the reality, but we know as apostolics that there is only one truth. Yes, sir. And the truth is just, it's, it is what it is. And, you know, Jesus Christ, he's the way, the truth, the way, and the life. And so when we're looking for truth, we've got to look through Jesus Christ to find that truth. And in that would be digging into the Word of God to find, you know, those things that, uh, to help us make sense of, of what's going on in our world. Um, so your podcast, it's a tremendous resource. And, uh, you know, I encourage anybody um, that likes talk shows or wants to know about, you know, world events and things that are happening politically, economically, uh, definitely check out that Revealed Radio Network. He's got the podcast. Um, I follow it on uh, Apple Podcasts. So, uh, But let's just talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about um, maybe some things that you, you've been seeing and, and, and how that, uh, what's happening right now, connects with um, the... Uh, uh, book of, of Revelation and, and End Times. So a couple things with that. Number one, I probably have a little bit of a different view on End Time. Um, I'm most certainly not a preterist. I'm also maybe not a hyper-dispensationalist. I believe that there are, out of the four main thoughts of eschatology, there's a portion of truth in each of them. And what can happen is we can take that portion of truth debate that with the person that doesn't see it exactly the same way and we can both have a portion of truth and be missing the bigger picture so instead of trying to put myself into a categorized camp and just settle with that and demonize everything that's not exactly the same as me 
I try to spend the time to see, um, is there, is there truth in what they're saying? Mm. And if there is to, to what extent? Right. And I have found that many people are, will debate on partial truth. It's the same thing with Jesus. When he came and he was walking on the earth, you had the Sadducees on one hand, you had the Pharisees on the other hand. The Sadducees didn't believe in the afterlife. They didn't believe in angels and demons, heaven and hell. They had a view of the resurrection, which was completely opposite of the Pharisees. And when Jesus came, he realized that they both had a portion of truth and they missed the truth that was standing right before them. Mm. So one of my greatest concerns with, you know, a lot of our eschatological debates is, are we debating our partial truths and is there a bigger picture we can come to see? And instead of just camping out in one idea and saying, this is right, and we demonize everybody that doesn't see it exactly like we do, they may have portions of truth we can learn from. And I believe that's part of what we're seeing in our world today is we're seeing a great divide. There's a great dividing among the world. There's polarization between, we know, two parties right now that's playing out in our culture. But if we're not careful, that same spirit will try to divide people in the church. And I'm not saying people should compromise to cross the bridge to hold hands with somebody else that's compromising our apostolic doctrine. Mm. But at the same time, if we're not careful, we can let it divide God's true people, too, and not learn from each other, iron sharpen iron. So I'm seeing that same spirit that's trying to divide the world is trying to creep into the church in some sense, too. Um. So I say that to say I have maybe a little bit different of an eschatological view. I view that the greatest beast that is we're facing, the, the beast that is trying to destroy everything that is godly, everything that is holy. Well, oftentimes we want to look to the Middle East. We want to look to Israel. We want to look to the Catholic Church and these things, and they definitely play a role in it. I think the greatest antichrist spirit is rising up right before us. If we're not careful, we'll miss it by looking elsewhere. And I believe the antichrist spirit, the beast that is infiltrating every system, whether it's education, as we're seeing today, politics, economics, anything, is the beast of humanism. Mm. And it goes all the way back to the garden eastward in Eden. When man trans, trans, uh, transgressed the law of God, the command of God, and they took that forbidden fruit. The very first curse was they shall become as gods, meaning that they could feel all sovereign in themselves. I can I can create my own truth. I can determine what's right and what's wrong for myself. I don't need God. I don't need a pastor. I don't need I don't need any jurisdiction. I don't need any governing powers to tell me what is right and what is wrong. And then even one of the oldest pieces of religious literature we can find is the Epic of Gilgamesh comes out of ancient Babylon and it's the story of a man trying to become a God. One man trying to be deified as a God. We find even in the days of Daniel being in Babylon, we know that when he seen the image of man in, in Daniel chapter two, it was the succession of kings and kingdoms that there would be the fall of ancient Babylon. There would be the rise of the Medes and the Persians. Then the Alexander the Great would lead the Grecians. There would be four generals after that. The Seleucid and the Ptolemy Wars would take place. Antiochus Epiphanes IV would come on the scene. Julius Caesar, General Pompey, Rome would rise up. We see all of that, but tucked behind that, we find that it is the image of a man. 
And we find that the very precious metals of this man goes from gold to silver, silver to brass, brass to iron, iron to clay. It loses its value. And by the time it gets to iron, it's it's got strength of resistance against the one that would form it. And I believe that's showing that through the process of time, men shall become lovers of themselves and they'll rebel against God and they'll lose their value of life. Mm. And I believe you'll see this all the way through the Bible, even when Jesus comes, the problem with the Pharisees were that they did not have divine revelation and they reasoned with themselves in their own carnal mind. And we know that carnal men can't understand the spiritual things of God. When we look at Revelation chapter 13, the number six, I believe is the number of man. Man was created on the sixth day. When it says 666, there's three of them. Well, if you go back to Revelation 4, Revelation 5, they're singing around the throne. God is holy, holy, holy. Well, we're monotheistic people. We know that that's not for Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. What that meant was at that time when they said he is holy, 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 he's the epitome. He's the fullness of holiness. You can't find a holiness outside of God, and you'll find nothing short of holiness in God. But I believe 666 is the reversal of that. It's when carnality reaches its fullest peak. Man sits on the throne of, of being their own God, denying and trying to push God out of existence and empowered by the dragon, by Satan. I believe we're watching humanism infiltrate our education system, trying to drive God out. Humanism's infiltrating our economical system. Humanism's trying to infiltrate the political arena and our culture. And all of it is, is to try to push God out. And we even find this through the epics of time. We find that the pre-modern era, which was rooted in people trying to seek after some spiritual higher power to find truth, turned into the modern era with the rise of the scientific theory and arts and the Renaissance and all these things. Man more looked through a human reasoning uh, approach to find truth. But we, then we know that that became the postmodern era of today where man declares that there are no absolute truths. Truth is only subjected to our own personal perspective. We can create whatever truth we want. I can have my truth. You can have your truth. I can't judge your truth, and you can't judge my truth. And somehow we're just going to all get along and be okay with that. And this is what has allowed the ideology to rise up that says you can't tell a boy they're a boy or a girl they're a girl. This has been through the digression of time and man rising up against God, trying to assert authority themselves over their life, create their own truth and say, I don't need anybody to tell me what's right and what's wrong. And we even find in Revelation 13, in the process of this, the beast will put on the face of a lamb. And now we see that uh, good is, be called, is being called evil and evil is being called good to put light for darkness and darkness for light. And I believe that principle is being played out where now if you preach holiness, then you're evil and judgmental. But if you propagate the like pride month that we just came out of, then you're good and you're tolerant and you're accepting and you're loving. So I believe that the beast of humanism is putting on the face of a lamb. It's saying that it's superior and good. And it's all an attempt to try to drive God out of society. So with the Revealed Radio Network, a lot of what I do is it's not just for apostolic people, but it's also for people of the world. There has 
it's been a lot of people through like the Trump administration that turned into talk radio that never was involved in talk radio before because they were wanting to understand the culture, what is happening in the political and economic arena of America today. So I wanted to be on the forefront of that. And for them to look and say, okay, how do we put this all back together? Well, we're not going to put it back together unless America decides to repent and come back to God. None of it's going to be put back together otherwise. Right. Wow. Well, we could Can, see that same spirit, uh, you know, with Lucifer himself when he was in heaven. He said, I will make myself a throne above God and I'll make myself so he wanted he wanted that position and that same spirit that was there with him that he that he had that that embodiment that he was that got him kicked out of heaven was you know was the same spirit that the tower of babylon when they were building the tower of babel and they said well we'll just we'll reach the heavens and we'll make a name for ourselves and how did god react and so if we want, we have got to find our name through him. And we've got to find our, our abilities through him. And so, you know, when we're talking about things, for instance, like pride, and, uh, they, well, here's the thing. I, you're going to do what you're going to do, but you shouldn't be forcing your ideologies or, or what you believe onto me just because you don't believe what I believe. And, you know, I believe the word of God's the word of God. There's you, you're not going to change it. It's infallible. It's eternal. And, you know, pride goeth before the fall. So if you're promoting something that's pride and, and you should be, have pride in who you are and pride in what you are and pride and don't let anybody change you, I, I, I can't get behind that. It doesn't make sense biblically. Absolutely. And, and, you know, here's another thing I see while I believe that this, this humanistic ideology is trying to push God out of every form of society there is. And we're finding that there's a, there is a polarization against God. Humanity is coming against God greater now than ever before. And it's not just an American thing. It, it, is, it is global. And while this is rising up now, one of the ways it is rising up is through the ideology of Marxism, which is a political economical approach, but really it's humanism at its core. Karl Marx in the 1800s, he was raised up in Trier, Germany, which was a very Christian based area. Its roots go way back even to Emperor Constantine. And he was even of Jewish descent, but he was anti-Semitic and he hated Christianity. He wrote poems on how he, in one of his poems he wrote, my soul once true to God is now chosen for hell. He, he was very much entertained by the devil. He loved the German play about Faust, the, the demon. Uh, he hated Christianity. Matter of fact, he even said that Christianity and communism um, is incompatible. Excuse me, Vladimir Lenin quoted uh, Karl Marx and said that Communism and Christianity is incompatible with one another. We even see this in China where they have an underground church because of the Marxist ideology over there. But Karl Marx said that Christianity is the opium of the people. 
when him and Frederick Engels wrote the Communist Manifesto, it was more than just coming after private property. It was more than just trying to deconstruct capitalism. It was more than just trying to create this, really this fake paradise, this fake utopia. But his root desire was to drive Christianity out. He was trying to create an atheistic archive. And one of his uh, friends wrote a letter and Georg Humes wrote a letter, said if, if Bruno Bauer, Feierbach, and Marx have their way, they'll drive God out of his heaven. He hated Christianity. It was a humanistic ideology that morphed into a political economic idea with the desire to push God out of society altogether. And then we've seen that happen. The communist regimes of China began to run, the, plow down the houses of worship. It started with... It started with statues. They began to tear down statues. They began to get rid of the old literature. They began to revolutionize the young garbs against the older generation. They began to demonize China's history. They began to reimagine China's history. And then they began to put a war on the churches and began to plow down the houses of worship. Many things that we're seeing in America today. When Vladimir Lenin began to lead the Soviet Union, and then later we see Joseph Stalin. The very first thing they wanted to do is drive drive the church out. As a matter of fact, under Joseph Stalin in Czechoslovakia, there was 180 executions to clergy members. And it wasn't no trial. They just dug a ditch, put a bullet in their head, and put them right in the ditch. That's how much they despise Christianity. This is what Marxism is all about. It's more than just a political, economical ideology. At its core, it's humanism, and it's humanism wearing a mask for the good of the people with the desire to push God out of society altogether. And unfortunately, we have found that infiltrate into our education system. And now they are trying to teach our young people to, to embrace these ideas. And at its root, it will put a war against the church. This is one of the ways we're seeing this rise up now one of the things I'm seeing, which is a great concern to me, is I believe we're watching two extremes, even in the apostolic church right now. On one hand, the devil is trying to tell the apostolic church to stay out of it altogether. Don't talk about politics. Don't talk about economics. Don't talk about these things. It's, it's like the taboo that we can't touch. We should just stay out of politics and we should just talk about, you know, Bible things and that's it. On the other hand, I see people that are so worried about the elections. If, if the right conservatives don't get elected, then, oh, no, the church is going down. The church is going down. And I believe that both of those ideas are poisonous. I do not believe that God is controlled by who is in office. God is the one that puts in kings. He removeth kings. He changes the times and the seasons. Daniel 2, Daniel 7, the whole book of Daniel is about how God is sovereignly working through the affairs of even countries and leaders and government systems to make his perfect will come to pass. Nothing is going to distract the perfect will of God. So America is not the church. However, I do stand in defense of America because America has been a great nation and we have supported so many missionaries. We support missionaries on a monthly basis and that's because the blessings that God has given our nation so, but however, 
no matter what happens in the political arena, God's always going to have a church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. I don't think we should bury our head in the sand like the proverbial ostrich and, and fret and get stressed out to a point that we don't have faith in God because Donald Trump didn't get elected or um, a conservative didn't get elected during the midterms. At the same time, I do not believe it's wise for the church to not have an awareness of what is going on. Um, I believe in holiness. I preach holiness. I preach against sin. But one of the greatest destructions to the apostolic young people is they go to secular colleges, which I'm not completely against, but they go to secular colleges where they're being taught humanistic, atheistic, Marxist ideas day in and day out. Yeah. And if we're not careful and we don't prepare them for that, we don't teach them how to combat that. Then what happens is that finally gets in their spirit and then they're, we wonder why they're backslidden. They don't want anything to do with the church. They don't want anything to do with the youth group anymore. They turned on mommy and daddy. They turned on grandma and grandpa. They turned on the man of God in their life. And I think that the devil would also like to use all this to avert our attention away because it's amazing. Politics are so, it's so close hand in hand with how God operates and gets his will done. Um, I don't mean to take up so much time, but if I can just give this real briefly, when you look at God's promise to Abraham, God set up his kingdom in Abraham, started started planting that kingdom just right across the river from Babylon, which was a which was the the, the largest growing world government system. He said, I'm not sending you five hundred miles down the road. Once you get across the river, we're gonna start building right here. Um God told Abraham that to fulfill his ultimate plan, Israel's going to go into a strange land for 400 years and they're going to be in bondage. Well, the only way that happened is Joseph actually was a right-hand man to Pharaoh, which was a political leader. On top of it, Joseph was actually teaching Pharaoh how to be a good capitalist. And then, then another Pharaoh, which is a political authoritarian leader over a, a government system, knows not Joseph and brings the children of Israel into captivity and bondage. And then God's going to lead them out by putting Moses right in Pharaoh's home, this political authoritarian's home. He gets to see everything about how the structure of Egypt operates. And then Daniel, when you get to Daniel, Daniel is put right next to King Nebuchadnezzar, right next to Belshazzar. And when Daniel prophesied, he wasn't even just prophesying about what God's going to do with his people. He was also talking about what God was going to do with these political structures. Babylon's going to fall. The Medes and Persians are going to rise up. This king and this political structure is going to rise up, and this political structure is going to fall, and another's going to rise up. So Daniel not only had awareness of God's doctrine, God's truth, he also had an awareness of what was going on externally outside of that. Because even Antiochus Epiphanes, the prototype of the Antichrist, he came and he pushed the children of Israel out of the house of worship, erected an altar to Jupiter, claimed to be Jupiter manifest in the flesh, made a beef broth, sprinkled it all over the temple, desecrating the purity of the temple, slaughtered many of them, but he only did that because he rose to political power. Jesus, in the time of Jesus, there is a cultural political war going on. You have the Romans, Jerusalem is an underbelly government to the Roman Empire. And you have these zealots, which are freedom fighters that are fighting against Rome. 
Now, all the history books will tell you that the destruction of the temple was because of this cultural political battle. Jesus said, no, it's not. This is a spiritual war. And because of your sins, Israel, you're going to be destroyed. Not one stone's going to be laid upon another. What he was saying is the the spiritual wars being played out in the political arena, the cultural arena, the economical arena. And I believe Satan would love nothing more than to advert our attention away from what's going on. And would love to steal a bunch of our young people turn them away from apostolic truth i think that we should we should have an awareness not only of bible doctrine but we should be preparing young people for what they're going to face um you know to me i'm very passionate about it too because two of the greatest destructive forces in america today is um critical race theory this is actually a marxist ideology that was morphed Critical theory was actually a Marxist idea that got uh, morphed into critical race theory. And I I deal with the history of critical race theory in some of my episodes. Uh, That's one of the greatest destructive forces to America right now. And also the the claim that we're going to be destroyed not when Jesus Christ returns in the day of judgment, but we're going to be destroyed by climate change. And it's really a falsified gospel. They have a false judgment. They have a false form of salvation. Um, But this is the greatest war against America right now. Now, I just happen to be um, placed in a secular job that I've been involved in this secular line of work for about, I'm going to say, 10 years or better in and out of it. And I just happen to be placed right in the middle of all of it. So I I get a daily dose of critical race theory in my secular line of work i get to see the argument for how the climate is going to destroy america not when jesus christ returns we're going to destroy ourselves by climate change instead of sin actually being our judgments because we have gasoline vehicles and it's hard for me to believe that i should not have any say or deal with any of these things and this should be some taboo that we don't deal with because it's political, it's hard for me to digest that because oftentimes I feel like God took me as a Moses and stuck me right in Pharaoh's house and said, you're not going to bow to that tyranny, but you're going to get to see how it operates. Mm -hmm. Because I believe that these are just masks that are trying to destroy. We see it being played out. They're trying to destroy America, but but it's not going to end with America. After all these barriers are torn down and injured, individual freedom has been trampled on the ultimate end goal for the devil is to try to drive god out of everybody's heart and that is displayed in the book of revelation sorry it took so much time to express that no uh it's not a problem at all this is this is tremendous Uh, i love it um you were talking about you know when our children you know go to these secular colleges or secular schools um, or even in secular work environments, they go into the workforce and they hear these ideologies. Um, it just brought me to, uh, I believe it's uh, Jose uh, chapter 4, where God says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And so, yeah, we, we've given them the experience, but have we invested and instilled and imparted apostolic doctrine and, and and apostolic truth into their lives individually 
and given them that knowledge to combat, you know, those the spirit that is clearly coming against the things of God, um, and would because he comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. But the thing is, the Bible doesn't say that he is a roaring lion. It says that he comes like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. It is. It is most certainly just an intimidation factor. I. Uh... And you look at Apostle Paul, we look at him, he was the premier apostle. He was very, very deep in the word of God. I mean, he knew the law of God like the back of his own hand. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was able to debate with the Pharisees and Sadducees over theological doctrine. But we quote the scripture quite a bit when Paul said, in him we move and live and have our being. Well, that was not rooted actually in a Christian thought. That was a philosophical quote that he was quoting from. That came from their Grecian Persian uh, philosophers. And what was happening is he was at Mars Hill having a debate with them, and he was using their own philosophies against them. So not only was he able to debate the Bible, but he was also to, able to take their own philosophies and use it against them and then after he began to tear their philosophies down, he began to point them back to the unknown altar and pretty much told them, you can get rid of all these other altars. And that one, you can just put Jesus Christ on it. And that's about the only altar you're going to need. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I believe that our children, while we trained them the apostolic doctrine, hero Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord, Jesus named baptism, being filled with the Holy ghost, speaking in other tongues, living a holy separated lifestyle a consecrated lifestyle to God. And while we teach them Bible doctrine, which I believe we need more Bible doctrine, I, I'm glad that we talk in tongues. I'm glad we, we, we shout, we run the aisles, we leap for joy. I believe in every bit of that. But I also believe in line on line, precept on precept, Bible doctrinal teaching, making sure we understand why we live what we live. But in addition to that, I believe that our young people, we, we can equip them. We can, we can teach them. Look, when you go to that college university, they're going to teach you Marxist ideology. Let me break down what Marxism is to you. So you don't get in, uh, snared into believing it because it's going to put on the face of a lamb. It's going to be very enticing, but it's, it's witchcraft sorcery at its root and it's humanism. And when you tear that down, then maybe one of your classmates, after you done tore up all their ideology, maybe you can point them back to the God you serve. And even Paul, not only was he able to do that, but when he got around a, there was the Roman officer that smote him the one time. And he looked at him and said, is it lawful for you to smite another Roman? And it scared that Roman officer. Paul even knew his laws, not even just the laws of God, but he knew the laws of culture and was able to use that against the man. And so I don't believe that we have to be afraid of the college university. I don't believe we have to be afraid of getting out and being scrutinized by the, by all the, the market of ideas that's out there. But I believe that we should be able to combat them. And I believe we should be able to break down their own ideologies by using their own ideologies against me. I have people that's in the church that have been baptized in Jesus' name that came out of Trinitarian churches. 
And a lot of times the greatest success I have had with seeing them converted is not even been teaching them monotheistic one God teachings. It's been actually showing them what the Trinitarian doctrine is and how it's flawed. And a lot of them look at me and go, well, I didn't know that's what the Trinity is. I don't even really believe that. And then next thing you know, we baptize them in Jesus name and they become faithful, great saints in the church. So I, I do believe that one of the things we need most in the apostolic church is teaching. I, I love the, the shout, dance, the aisle running, the leaping for joy, and we should never, ever, ever lose that. But the Holy Ghost is to lead and guide us into all truth. And I believe that God not only will make us wise in Scripture, but I believe that God will allow us to combat those that would come against Scripture with these strange ideologies. And so my greatest desire uh, with the Revealed Radio Network, which is totally different than in times past, because I have done talk shows kind of stuff before. And when I did, it was just straight Bible teaching. And this is really dealing with the the arena of the world, pretty much. And it's really trying to target those that are lost that see that there are things that are wrong. And really hoping to spark in them a love to go read their Bible to pray and to seek God's face. And at the very least, if they don't want God, hopefully it'll make them understand that these ideas that are being embraced in our public schools nowadays and all these things are evil at its core. They're not just bad political ideas, they're evil. And in the end, they're trying to, there's a greater agenda that Satan has, and that is to try to destroy souls from being in the church. And a lot of what I believe we're seeing is Revelation chapter 12 says that the dragon wanted to kill the man child. I believe that man child's Jesus. And we see that played out in the gospels where King Herod wanted to kill Jesus. Now, King Herod thought in his mind that Jesus was a threat to his power. And also Herod was a downline descendant of Esau. Jesus was a downline descendant of Jacob. This was the war between the Edomites and the Israelites still, but there was a greater power that was using Herod for its purpose. And that was Satan. Satan was infiltrating the mind, the thought, the spirit, the soul of Herod to ultimately try to drive Jesus out. And I believe that is exactly what we're seeing even in America today, that Satan is trying to infiltrate political powers to try to drive God out. And I don't believe we should be hiding in the corner. I think we should be on the forefront of the battle, staring the enemy in the face and saying, no, we stand against this. And, you know, oftentimes we say, well, the battle's not ours. It belongs to the Lord. But every time that was ever quoted, the Israelites, whether it was David or the Israelites, they were actually standing on the battlefield in the area of danger, looking their enemy right in the face when they said that. Right. And I believe that it's it's time for us not to be on the defensive. I think it's time for us to be on the offensive. You know, when Abraham, when Lot was captured by those world governments and those kings, Abraham didn't wait for them to make war with him. He actually went out and made war with them. And we find that these world ideas is is entrapping, especially young people. And I don't think it's time for us to hide from that battle. I think we should take the forefront of that battle, cry loud and spare not, and cry against the sin and the deception of the land. And try to save as many souls out of it as possible. 
And so, you know, Revealed Radio Network was really because as much as I loved listening to Rush Limbaugh, he didn't have the Holy Ghost, no disrespect to him. I wanted somebody in the apostolic movement to be on the forefront of that, crying loud against it. I even stated recently to somebody, um, President Donald Trump came under great scrutiny and character set. We have never seen a president ever hated as much as he was. And I told somebody the hatred that he's facing, I don't even think he knew what he was getting into, to be honest with you. Because the hatred that he was facing, I do not believe was just natural hatred. I think it was demonic hatred. Because he was standing against not only political structures and ideas, he was standing against demonic ideas. And I told somebody that the persecution that came to him and his family was not designed for world leaders. That was designed for the church. And I believe that what happened was we had a world leader on the world stage, not even with the Holy Ghost, never been baptized in Jesus' name, standing against these demonic ideologies, and it drummed up a major crowd in America. And I said, what would it be if we stepped on the forefront of that battle, willing to be persecuted for his namesake, willing to be hated for his namesake, willing to lay everything on the line and cry loud and spare not against it? We'll be hated, we'll be persecuted, but I believe that we can convert souls through that. We all want a Book of Acts revival, but the greatest revival in the Book of Acts came through the greatest persecution to the church. Wow. That, that's that's the truth, too. It, they were <laughs> They were hanging them up on and burning them and chopping off their heads. And, I mean... And you've got people that say, yeah, right now, even, yeah, I would die for Jesus Christ, but they can't even, they won't even live for him. Not entirely, not with their whole heart. Wow. If I can inject this, and um, and I, hopefully I'm not mistaken when I said this, because COVID-19 was a very confusing thing. I, Being a pastor, I understand I went through a mind battle trying to figure out what was the right decision to make. Mm. And so it, it makes me very merciful to ministry. Um, I didn't know what the right decision was at that time. As a matter of fact, I shut out every voice because I had voices. I had friends. I had elders in my life. I had many people. And it was very diverse. The opinions was very extremely diverse. So I had to push all of that out of my life and I went to an altar to pray. And when I spent that time in prayer, I knew the Lord told me, yes, it's a real virus, but if the footmen have wearied thee, how shall you run with the horses? And I believe that that was just the beginning that they, they would take a real virus. Yes. People's become sick with it. Yes. People's died with it. But they would take that real virus because what gives lies power is when you can take that lie and pack truth behind it. Critical race theory was birthed out of the civil rights movement. The Martin Luther King Jr. movement and the Malcolm X, which I don't support the Malcolm X. I did support the Martin Luther King Jr. movement. Uh, that was a real movement. They should have fought against Jim Crow segregation. They should have fought for the rights. They should have been able to vote. They should have been been free completely. 
And so all of that was good. But then what happened is critical theorist professors began to take their their Marxist idea and pack that hidden agenda behind a rightful cause. And what gave their deception and their lies and their demonic attacks such power to destroy much of America today and especially our education system is because they took that 95% of a hidden agenda and packed it behind a 5% truth. And that's what gives lies such power. Because if it's an all out, all, all outright lie, no one's going to believe it. But if you can pack a portion of truth to it, then it's going to pull people into it. And this is why Paul says even Satan's ministers are ministers of righteousness. They have a portion of truth, but the end is according to their works. And so when when COVID broke out, I felt because of coming off an altar of spending days in the altar praying, begging God for help, and then begging God for mercy if I made the wrong decision, I felt like it was a trial run that they're taking a real virus, but they're going to weaponize it. And it's going to come against our freedoms. It's going to come against our liberty. And it's going to come against the church. And we see that they did shutter the doors of many churches. We remained open. Uh, we were one of those crazy churches in the town, in the community. Everybody said it would destroy us. And, and I did get visited by a police officer. I did not know if I was going to get arrested or not. But now God is opening doors for me to get acquainted with the city council members, and we're becoming friends with them. So while everybody told me it was going to destroy us because we were the only church open in the city, it's now beginning to open doors for us to get acquainted uh, with some of the leaders of our city. And so it worked out to be the best thing we did. Um, And we won souls during that time. But I believe that what has happened is, is they took a portion of truth to try to fight against the church, to try to come against the church. And I realized that they closed down bars too, and they closed down sports arenas. And, but I do, I don't believe that the church should be put in the same category as a bar or a sports arena. We are the most essential business there is. But even when we watched the COVID-19 break out, I believe there was a great trial testing, not just among political powers but i believe the devil it was it was a way for the devil to try to subtly come in and fight against the church and we've seen that there was such a great divide there we watched people that criticized apostolic churches apostolic people that criticized other apostolic churches for remaining open and then that began to breed division within the church i had to tell our folks that that look, we're not gonna we're not gonna judge our brother harshly if they shut down. You know what? That's between them and God. They're my brother. I'm gonna pray for them. I'm gonna fight for them, and I'm gonna pray that God blesses them. I'm pray that God gives us revival. But I know what I have to do because I came off the altar of prayer. But I believe that America is in a really rough crossroads right now. I believe that we are seeing things that is that is these are real problems real issues but they're being weaponized and they're being weaponized with an ultimate end goal and that ultimate end goal is to tear down anything that is biblical and holy that's right i would i would agree with that and i and i feel that i can i can feel that you know when i'm 
you know, whether it's at work or, you know, having conversations with people, you know, in life that just on a day-to-day basis, I can feel that uh, spiritually. It's, it's, it's physically draining Um, as a, apostolic as a holy ghost filled man of god i can feel that and you know we we have to be willing and it's just like you said we have to be willing to stand against it and stand for truth and righteousness and holiness wow i think we're living in the crossroads of the greatest and worst things all at the same time in america especially um we just had uh, missionary D.G. Hanscom with us. He wrote the book From Rome to Jerusalem. He did a weekend revival with us. He is in mainland China. They are having an underground church over there. And the communist regime over there, I mean, the, he's always at threat of becoming a political prisoner. But while there is that danger, he they are building churches i mean they are having revival in mainland china and the moment those people get the holy ghost they're baptized in jesus name born again of the water and spirit they are anti the government over there they realize that the government over there is is destructive it's trying to destroy christianity and the nation now in america i believe that one of the things is we almost have to teach our people that because it's more subtle here over there, it's in your face. I mean, you get caught with the Bible, get caught having church, and you could become a political prisoner, or you could have worse issues happen. Kim Jong-un, you know, he was known for executing people by bullet in front of their own family members and charging the family member for the bullet because they were found with Bibles. And so it's very in-your-face, open and blatant over there, but they are having revival. America, we have been so blessed And I believe that God has abundantly blessed our nation. At the same time, I believe that it allows many to take ease in Zion. And it becomes spiritually destructive because we can become like Israel. We have houses we haven't planted or built, and we have vineyards we haven't planted. And we have been abundantly blessed that we can be so easy to sometimes displace God and not put him first and and ultimate in our life. So while it disturbs me to see the deterioration of America, because I love America, I love what America stands for. We are not a perfect nation, but we are the greatest nation outside of Israel, probably in human history. Just studying the the framers' writings and what they were trying to do is incredible. And, And now they're misapplied and misappropriated and taken out of context so that Marxist I, humanistic ideas can demonize and deconstruct our nation. And ultimately, it will end in a war against the church. Uh, but our nation is a great nation. We give more in missions than any other nation. We give more in just humanitarian causes than any other nation. Yes, we have our flaws like every country. We are a great nation. On one hand, it disturbs me deeply to see what they're doing to our great country. On the other hand, though, I realize that America has had it easy. So easy that we have people that come to church and complain and nitpick over the smallest things at times. 
But over there in China, they're having an underground church. They're just happy to be able to be in God's house. They're just happy to be able to have a, a Bible in their hand and somebody had preached them truth. They worship and they praise God hard because they don't know how long they're going to have to be able to worship him. And I believe that maybe America, through this oncoming persecution, will be able to see some of the greatest things that we many of us have been praying for we want we desire now oftentimes we pray for a book of acts revival but we don't want to pay a book of acts price but i believe that for those that are willing to pay that price i believe god is going to give us mighty revival now i don't believe in the christian dominion theology kind of revival but i'm talking about real revival real repented people real people that are desperate and now they know that the only institution that's going to stand the test of time is the church of the living god the true church preaching the monotheistic born again of the water and spirit truth but at the same time while it's open in your face in china it's more deceptive here so i believe that we need to be able to be equipped to teach our people these ideas of the world is wrong and I believe that's part of being the watchman. The watchmen in the Old Testament, they weren't just watching over Israel. They were watching out to see where the enemy was coming in. And if invader came in, they had to blow the trumpet loud and long. And they had to assemble the people to make war against that enemy. And so I believe that we have to look for the polluted, convoluted ideologies of this world that's trying to make inroads in the church. And we got to get in our pulpit and we got to sound an alarm and say that's anti-biblical. That's anti-godly, and we're going to make war with that. And I believe it's time for the church to make war, not just let the war come our way. I think we got to go out and make war with it. Amen. Well, well, I, I feel it um, would be good for me to sort of close out this uh, this session with a quote uh, that maybe many people know. Um, from Charles Dickens in A Tale of Two Cities. It was the best of times, and it was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom, and it was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief, and the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light, and the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope, and it was the winter of despair think that it is important that we as the apostolic church would be willing not only through prayer and fasting and making sacrifices but also in the way that we live our lives on a day-to-day basis we are we might be the only thing that the world sees that is even close to a knowledge of who Jesus Christ really is. And if we're living our lives backbiting our brothers or talking bad about uh, the pastor across the street or someone who doesn't believe it quite like you do, we're setting a dangerous precedent that will ultimately cause souls, Christian souls, to not make it to heaven. And I don't know about you, Brother Wilson, but I do not want to be guilty of having someone else's blood on my hands, someone else's soul on my hands because I wasn't living right or doing the right thing. 
Thank you so much for your time, Brother Wilson. It's been it's been incredible. Thank you, my brother. Sure love you. Thanks for having me on. God bless you. God bless. This podcast is made possible because of listeners like you who are willing to bridge the gap. We now have a sponsorship program on our Anchor website in which you can become a monthly sponsor of $1, $5, or $10 a month. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook.